Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 14 of They Walk Among Us a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Please listen to Season 5, Episode 13 for more details on this two-part case. This episode contains distressing themes, explicit language and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Throughout the late evening of August 15th, 2019, PC Andrew Harper and his colleague PC Andrew Shaw were working overtime. They answered the call of a suspected burglary. A gang of masked young men with weapons were trying to steal a quad bike. The two uniformed officers travelled to the scene in an unmarked BMW, fitted with emergency lights and a police siren. They came head-to-head with the suspect's vehicle at 11.28pm in the dim light of an unlit narrow country lane. Illuminated only by the car's headlights, the officers could see two of the defendants sat in front of the Seat Toledo. The third was sitting on the stolen bike, which was being towed behind. Realising the theft was a lost cause, The suspect unattached a crane strap which was tied to the bike and ran towards the Seat jumping inside. 
He left the strap, which was formed in a loop, dragging on the floor. It was still attached to one of the hinges of the boot. PC Harper jumped out of the patrol car, ran towards the suspect's vehicle, and tried to stop one of them from escaping, when both his feet became entangled in the trailing loop of the crane strap. He was dragged behind the car for around a minute and a half. PC Harper died at the scene. Following a detailed investigation, several arrests were made and the suspects were charged. They appeared in the dock of London's Old Bailey during early March 2020. On the first day of the trial, Prosecutor Brian Altman QC addressed the jury. While it was never suggested, the defendants could have intended for PC Harper to step into the loop with both feet, which he would not have seen nor even considered was there. It was argued by the prosecution that the defendants knew full well that the officer was being dragged behind them as they made their escape. Henry Long was at the wheel and his teenage co-defendants were shouting words of encouragement. They should have stopped, but instead they sped off with the officer trapped in the tow loop. Based on tyre marks and blood that covered the road, the prosecution were able to determine the direction of travel. The jury was saved the unenviable task of having to view any photographic evidence of PC Harper's horrific injuries although they did hear detailed testimony regarding his post-mortem. Brian Altman QC argued that the defendants were fully aware of what had happened and deliberately caused the officer serious harm as they tried to dislodge him from the tow loop. It was suggested they intended to escape whatever the cost. Detailing the catastrophic injuries sustained by PC Harper, Brian Altman QC said, With his ankles caught in a strap that was trailing behind a car being driven at speed along a country lane, he was dragged for over a mile along the road surface, swung from side to side like a pendulum in an effort to dislodge him, losing items of his police uniform along the way, with the rest of his uniform being quite literally ripped and stripped from his body. When at last he became disentangled, he was left with the most awful injuries, from which he died there on the road, surrounded by colleagues who tried in vain to save him. A pathologist confirmed that PC Harper suffered a severe brain injury, so it was presumed that the officer was knocked unconscious when his head hit the ground before he was dragged off, or at least it was hoped this was the case. Dr. Ashley Feganell told the court that PC Harper's feet were pulled out from under him and his head struck the ground violently. The officer's legs were being dragged in the air with the rest of his body being pulled along the road. A passing motorist who almost struck the defendants as they made their getaway saw the body of PC Harper. He at first thought it was a bloodied deer carcass until he realised it was a body being dragged on the tarmac before striking a curb 
as the vehicle travelled down Ufton Lane. One witness who heard the car driving towards the intersection said the noises from the getaway car sounded as if the vehicle was continually striking the hedgerow, almost as if the driver were drunk. The car itself sounded like one of the tyres had burst, travelling on the metal element of the wheel. Brian Altman QC asked the jury, If Long and his friends had no idea that Andrew was entangled in the strap, why was there a need to drive so recklessly? The answer is easy to see. All three knew it was the police car that had confronted them. Footage from the patrol car's dash cam was presented in court which pictured the location where the suspects were intercepted and they attempted their escape. The recording taken from the front of the vehicle showed the headlights shining into the night as the patrol car was reversing up the lane. PC Shaw tried in vain to locate his partner before seeing a long trail of dark red that marked the tarmac. Brian Altman QC said, There was a constant stretch of a crimson blood red track that was clearly still wet and glistening in the light of their headlights. At this point in the legal proceedings, PC Harper's widow left the court. As the wounds to the officer's face and body were so severe, his family had asked the media not to relay the specific details of his injuries. Henry Long was driving the getaway vehicle and admitted to a charge of manslaughter. He had first told police he was with relatives when PC Harper was killed. Following his arrest, through his solicitor, Long claimed that on the evening of August 15th, he had been watching films with his uncle, aunt and cousins. After the family watched Fast and Furious, followed by The Goonies, Long said he retired to bed at 10.30pm. He claimed he never left the Four Houses Corner caravan site in Ufton Nervit near Reading. Long was questioned the following day, before he was subsequently re-arrested and charged a month later. During his arrest, he shouted at officers, I don't give a fuck about any of this. Jurors would also be played the 999 call made by Peter Wallace who owned the quad bike that was stolen and they heard statements made by people who lived in the surrounding villages. The witness evidence described how the defendants repeatedly brazenly drove around in circles, almost goading someone to call the police. PC Andrew Shaw was working with PC Harper when they answered the call of a burglary in progress. Shaw described the events of that night when accompanied by PC Harper, they came upon the defendants who were in the middle of a theft on a narrow single-track road called Admore Lane. Bordered by grass verges, bushes and trees, it was difficult but not impossible for another car to pass unless it drove on the verge. And this is precisely what the defendants did to make their escape. P. 
PC Harper exited the patrol car and gave chase before he became entangled in the toe strap. PC Shaw told the court, I could see him running in the road. My first thought was he's running after the car trying to get in it. It's what he would have done. I thought he was trying to get to the open door, drag them out of the car. As the car accelerated, PC Harper was standing there and he just appeared to fall back as if his feet had been wiped from under him. And that's pretty much the last I saw of him. As the police car had been head-on with the other vehicle, Shaw had to reverse down the country lane. He was worried he might run over his colleague before turning around. PC Shaw radioed in for help before spotting PC Harper's stab vest in the road, which had been broken into multiple parts. Shaw retrieved it and drove on. At this point, Long and his co-defendants were speeding towards the A4 junction with PC Harper still attached. The witness viewed the horrific scene as the officer's body was thrown around like a rag doll before being dislodged as the car travelled on Ufton Lane. Heading towards Ufton Court, Henry Long became stuck behind a coach carrying guests from a wedding, and unable to overtake, he turned around and headed back up the road as the defendants tried to flee. PC Christopher Bushnell, another officer, took up pursuit, however he was forced to take evasive action as the defendants would have driven straight into his vehicle head-on at speed, somewhere in the region of 70 miles per hour. Another colleague who was alerted to the scene, PC Kemp, was the officer who found PC Harper before PC Bushnell arrived. Describing the moment he saw the getaway vehicle, PC Kemp told the court, It was fast, very fast. From the way the car came across the junction, it came out very, very quickly, and there was something that was dragging from behind, and it made me think they had stolen an ATM, a cash machine, from somewhere. Kemp believed a body had been thrown from the car, but did not know who it was at first, thinking it to be one of the suspects. He then recognised what was left of the clothing hanging from the body. It belonged to a police officer. PC Kemp then suddenly realised it was PC Harper who had been reported missing. Footage from PC Shaw's dashcam pictured him driving along the country lane until he saw an officer tending to PC Harper was at this point now lying in the road. Another officer, PC Nick Kluger, who also arrived at the scene, told PC Harper, Stay with me, buddy. The ambulance will be here soon, and they'll sort you out. The officer tried to use a defibrillator to revive his colleague, who after the ordeal was left in just his socks, boots, and torn remnants of his trousers. There was a sense of relief when a paramedic showed up. Still, that feeling quickly turned to dread given the seriousness of PC Harper's injuries. The paramedic Chris Darley later offered a statement in which he described the injuries he had seen and how they were, quote, incompatible with life. 
I felt it was unfair to continue with CPR after what PC Harper had been through, the paramedic said. PC Andrew Harper was declared dead shortly before midnight. An aerial search was undertaken by a police helicopter which tracked down the Sayat car to the Four Houses Corner caravan and mobile home traveller site. Thermal imaging identified that the car's engine was extremely hot, suggesting it had recently been used. Yeah, I think the seat's on the site of Four Houses. I've got a seat, I think, very, very hot. A number of males around it this time. That's all units, um, air reception, and taking the way to uh, four corners. Oscar 2, please be mindful here that these people have already seriously injured one of our officers. Um, I suggest we get people there as quick as possible, but are they just outside until it's an appropriate point to go in? Bear in mind we have eyes on Empire uh, or Downlink Channel, you on, please? At the location around 10 to 1 in the morning, the defendants were then arrested on suspicion of murder for the first time before being re-arrested a month later. As the trial progressed, the court proceedings had to be delayed when one member of the jury came down with what they believed was a cold. However, they described the symptoms as horrific. The judge told the remaining jurors, If it turns out it is a nasty cold, there is no reason why we can't go on. If anybody feels ill in the meantime, do let us know if you have any symptoms. Coronavirus was steadily spreading throughout the country and the judge was doing his best to balance the need for a fair trial with the safety of everyone in the court. Only days later, a second member was forced to self-isolate as her young son was exhibiting symptoms. Four men and six women were left on the jury, with the trial continuing under a cloud of concern that it could be suspended at any minute. Still, the proceedings continued with the court hearing from a collision specialist, Simon Hall, who reconstructed the events using the same car used in the crime while dragging a mannequin dressed in the same uniform and carrying similar equipment to PC Harper. The mannequin was the same size and weight as the officer. Simon Hall concluded that the driver would have been fully aware he was dragging an object behind the car as it would be evident due to the handling of the vehicle when navigating bends, not to mention the sound. The country lane was covered in granite chippings, which made a considerable noise that would have been audible to anyone in the car. A second investigator was travelling in the back passenger seat and also heard what was described as a loud swishing sound. With Andrew Harper over six feet tall and weighing around 14 stone, the prosecutor said that this proved that the defendants must have known the car was dragging something behind it. Although it was hoped the trial would continue so PC Harper's family could see the process come to a conclusion, a third member of the jury was forced to go into isolation as their elderly father had become ill. 
This left the judge with no choice but to discharge the jury, and a new trial would need to be carried out at a later date. Explaining the decision was made with a heavy heart, Mr Justice Edith said he was deeply sorry, as those that loved Andrew would have to face another trial. One side effect of the proceedings being delayed was the fact that two of the defendants, who were teenagers during the first trial, had since turned 18. This meant that the passengers in the car were also identified. Jesse Cole of Windmill Corner in Mortimer Common and Albert Bowers of Paces Hill Traveller's Site in Aldermaston denied both manslaughter and murder. However, like Henry Long, they pleaded guilty to conspiracy to steal. The gang lived in social housing, however had connections to the Four Houses Corner Traveller's Site. Thomas King in his early 20s had also pleaded guilty to the same charge of conspiracy to steal. However, it was made clear that he was not with the group when they returned to take the quad bike later that night. King had just been present when they were chased off earlier that day on August 15th, 2019. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Sentair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Sentair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Sentair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Scentair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. 
Visit scentair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Scentair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Scentair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Scentair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to scentair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at scentair.com. A new trial began at the Old Bailey towards the end of June 2020. Fifteen jurors had been selected this time, with twelve available for the trial. The remainder would be attending the proceedings in case any members were forced to self-isolate, if they or any members of their household exhibited signs of coronavirus. The hours in which the trial took place each day were shortened so jurors could avoid peak travel, lessening the chance of one of them becoming infected. Social distancing was applied. Jurors were sat at desks close to the judge rather than in the jury box. Each of the defendants appeared via video link from prison. And again, Mr Justice Edis provided a stark warning regarding the disturbing nature of the case, with the jurors required to put aside emotion and focus solely on the facts. With a new trial came a new prosecutor. Jonathan Laidlaw, QC. Speaking about PC Harper and PC Shaw, the QC told the court, despite it being well beyond the end of their shift, because they were close and because they thought they could help, they responded to the call. It was going beyond the call of duty, as it were, and it would cost Andrew Harper his life. Jurors were not told that PC Harper had only been married a month for fear that this information might sway the decision against the defendants if the jury felt sympathy for the officer. The second jury were told Henry Long was the driver and his two passengers were Jesse Cole and Albert Bowers. Footage from the dash cam in the unmarked police car was again played, as for the second time. PC Andrew Shaw relived the moment his partner lost his life. Witnesses included a pathologist who described PC Harper's injuries, Peter Wallace who owned the quad bike that was stolen, and several witnesses who saw either the theft taking place or witnessed the defendants in the SEAT with the officer being dragged behind. Wallace, who would give evidence from behind a screen, explained to the court how he was renovating the property when he had to see off the defendants earlier in the day before they returned later that night. Describing how he awoke to see a car coming towards his property, Wallace said, In the moonlight, I could see a metal object slowly coming down, just meeting the edge of my drive. It was the front half of a silver car with no lights on. I had a rough idea of where my phone was. I rummaged and found it. 
His 999 call was then played to the court. Well, they, got, they, yeah, they got their faces covered, birds on, hats on. Are you at home alone? Yeah. Oh, and they're stealing my squad bike. I'm going out there now. No, no, don't go out there. I'm going out there now. No, because if they've got weapons. Yeah, I don't care. I've got to protect that bike. I'm taking the squad bike. No, your safety is important. Stay in your property. Please send someone. I'm going Someone's out on there. their way. No, no, don't go out there. Have you sent someone or not? Officers are on their way. But you can't go out there. I'm going if they've out. got a weapon, then you'll, you'll be hurt. Well, there's all sorts of bits of wood out there. They could pick up anything, but they're not taking my bamboo. Okay, yeah. You need to stay in your property. They've already taken it. Have you, does it have a registration number? The jury were transported just over 50 miles west by several buses from the Old Bailey in London, travelling to the various locations around Berkshire linked to the events of that night. Jurors, all sitting several seats apart to ensure social distancing, passed a flag blowing in the wind as it carried the words, Thank you, NHS. The locations visited included the Bull Inn pub, where witnesses saw the defendants earlier in the day on August 15th, 2019, driving the Sayat Toledo through the village of Stanford Dingley. The jury also saw the property where the quad bike was stolen, and Admore Lane where the police car and the Sayat the defendants were driving came head to head. A reconstruction of how the vehicles were positioned had been set up, including how the toe strap was connected to the boot hinge. And finally, jurors visited the area of Ufton Lane off the A4 junction. This was where PC Harper ultimately passed away after being dragged over a mile. Following witness statements and numerous exhibits, the defendants would have their chance to speak and explain how the events unfolded, offering their version of what happened. Henry Long, who had been driving the Sayat, said that on that day he was, quote, looking for stuff to steal when the gang stumbled upon the quad bike. Long described himself as a thief, like his father, and his father's father. It's not a proud thing to admit, he told the court. He was illiterate and taken out of school by his father when he was in his early teens. He claimed he caused too much trouble in the classroom. Long lived with his parents and five siblings who were part of the travelling community. He had a criminal record for petty offences as a juvenile. Footage of Long being arrested when he was in his teens would later emerge after the trial. I'm a real man! I'm a real man! I'm a 15 year old boy. Look here, Henry Long was an experienced thief 
often taking tools for the job so he could break chains and padlocks. Long said to his defence counsel Rosano Scamadella that he accepted that he killed PC Andrew Harper due to the way he was driving. However, Long was insistent that he would have stopped the vehicle had he known that the officer was attached to the tow strap. Long acknowledged that he was experienced in police car chases, given that he knew the area and its terrain well. He claimed that despite the skid marks and bloody trail on the road which indicated the car was not travelling in a straight line, Long was not aware that the loop was caught on anything nor could he hear any noises to suggest the car was dragging an object behind it. In the chaos, as his teenage passengers were shouting to slow down and offer directions, he just told them to shut the fuck up, before putting on the radio so he could concentrate. Long was arrested with several other suspects after he lost the police tail and arrived back at the Four Houses Corner traveller's site. In a prepared statement, he initially told detectives, I am not involved in this incident. I have never been to a house yesterday looking at quad bikes. My fingerprints or DNA will not be on the quad bike. At 5pm, I can't remember exactly where I was, but I got to Four Houses Caravan site about 8.30pm and stayed there all evening until police came and arrested me. Continually insisting he was innocent, during questioning Long began to suggest to officers that the actions of the Thames Valley Police Force were unjust against the travelling community. Quote, If something happened and the car was found, say for instance in a housing estate, would everyone in that housing estate get arrested? Or is it just a gypsy site where a car gets found, everyone gets arrested? Henry Long, however, later admitted his involvement before the trial. He said he experienced sleepless nights and was worried about the effect his actions had on his family. When questioned by prosecutor Jonathan Laidlaw QC why he lied, Long said it was because he was scared. The defendant admitted he stole the quad bike but claimed he would not have taken violent measures to steal it, despite an axe, a hammer and three crowbars in the defendant's possession. A timed reconstruction of the journey Henry Long and his passengers took was undertaken by a highly experienced police driver who did his best to recreate the speed at which the defendant's car had travelled to the caravan site after PC Harper was dislodged from the back of the Seat. However, the officer was unable to. In fact, he was 30 seconds slower. The footage of this reconstruction was later described by the judge as nothing short of terrifying. Henry Long's passengers and co-defendants also offered evidence in their defence. Albert Bowers, who had known Long since childhood, 
was also an accomplished thief. He had a passion for hair coursing, an illegal and cruel activity in which dogs are sent after a wild hare that has been chased from its home. Often carried out on flat ground during dawn or dusk, which has illegally been accessed, substantial sums of money are placed on how many turns the hare has made in its desperation to escape. Albert Bowers could be seen in several posts on Facebook, holding up the bloodied bodies of several hares. When he was not stealing, Bowers occasionally worked as a landscape gardener. He had convictions for battery, sexual assault by touching, possessing an offensive weapon and a racially aggravated public order offence. This information was not provided to the jury at the time of the trial. Furthermore, following his arrest for the suspected murder of P.C. Harper, Bowers was photographed outside Reading Magistrates Court laughing and smiling at the cameras with Jesse Cole. At one point, Bowers puts his tongue out and makes an obscene gesture with his hands, which are handcuffed together. Unbelievably, at one point in the trial, Albert Bowers fell asleep while the court was played footage from the dash cam of the police car as PC Harper was dragged away. Bowers said that he was not aware a police officer was near the car when Jesse Cole jumped through the front passenger window as they drove off in a panic. Describing the moment his co-defendant leapt into the car, Bowers said, All of a sudden, two hands came through my window. That's when I realised it was Jesse trying to get in. Bowers then grabbed Cole and threw him in the back seat. He told his counsel, Timothy Raggett QC, the accused were all shouting with loud music playing, and due to the speed they were travelling, they were too distracted to notice anything. Bowers was apparently shouting to Long, who was in the driver's seat, You are going to crash. You are going to kill us. He claimed that he never saw anything untoward as they made their escape, but did tell Henry Long to slow down, as they were travelling on an unlit narrow country road as they sped back to the caravan site. Quote, It's hard to remember exactly what happened. People were shouting. I was shouting. Henry and Jesse were. Obviously we knew they were police, and we knew we were trying to get away. I cannot recall seeing anything. I did not actually look behind. I can remember hearing when you go round a bend fast the noise of the tyres. As Bowers could not read or write, he communicated through voice messages via WhatsApp, a mobile phone app. After the incident, he was concerned that the police might find some incriminating evidence, so he asked his family to destroy his mobile phone. Under cross-examination, he was asked why. Bowers said the phone contained pictures of items he had previously stolen. He was resolute, however, that there was no evidence on the device that mentioned the death of PC Andrew Harper.
Jesse Cole, who had been riding the quad bike until he saw the unmarked police car, claimed that he had known Henry Long and Albert Bowers for a short period, only joining them on their endeavour to steal the quad bike as he was scared of them. At an early age, his parents parted ways, and he spent the majority of his childhood with his mother. Cole also left school in his teens and struggled to read and write. By all accounts, he was only able to spell his name. He did not, however, have any criminal record to speak of. Before the incident, he had been working with his father as a tree cutter, dividing his time between Berkshire and the Isle of Wight. Cole described how he jumped into the getaway vehicle as the hedgerows were illuminated with a blue flashing light. While he said that he knew it was the police, Cole claimed he did not know that PC Harper was on foot outside the car, and due to the shouting and noise from the car stereo, he was certainly not aware that anyone was being dragged behind the vehicle. The defendant described the noises he heard and how he thought it was only the exhaust scraping the tarmac. As the four-week trial drew to its conclusion, Jonathan Laidlaw QC acting for the Crown summarised the case against the defendants. He considered it impossible for them not to know that someone was being pulled behind the vehicle. Speaking about the accused, Laidlaw said, They simply do not recognise the extent of the grief and loss Andrew Harper's family have to confront, for which there would be for them no respite. Their sense of misfortune bears no comparison to just how unfortunate Andrew Harper was. This tragedy was a tragedy entirely of these young men's making. They are not the unlucky victims of this case at all. They had two clear choices, moments after Andrew Harper was caught in the strapping, and it's a binary choice. They were dragging a heavy object. What else could it have been but the officer they had seen at the back of the Sayat having almost caught Jesse Cole? the only right thing to do would have been to swiftly bring that car to a halt. Barristers for each of the defendants argued their case, with Rosano Scamadella acting for Henry Long, telling the jury that while PC Harper had lost his life in tragic circumstances, they should think clearly and meditate on the evidence. The decision should not be based on whether or not they like the defendants. When you have behaved as badly as they have, there is a limit to what you can do to make amends. One thing is to accept responsibility, Scamadella said. Timothy Raggett QC acting for Albert Bowers described the events as a freak accident that nobody could have planned. Raggett explained that an injustice should not be served because a police officer had lost their life in the line of duty. Shortly before the jury were due to deliberate, one member was discharged. 
a reason for which would not be disclosed until after legal proceedings had finished. During the trial, it was made clear to the jury by the judge that for them to pass a guilty verdict, a murder charge for the three defendants, the prosecution would need to successfully argue that after the group made their escape and PC Harper was caught up in the tow loop, the driver of the vehicle, Henry Long, would need to have known that he was dragging a body. After 12 and a half hours of deliberation, the jury at the Old Bailey reached a majority verdict on the three defendants accused of murder. Jesse Cole and Albert Bowers had been seen laughing during the trial. Henry Long, Cole and Bowers were not in the presence of the judge, as there were issues transporting them to the court. They were listening via a video link from Belmarsh Prison. They held hands as the verdict was read out. For the murder of PC Andrew Harper, the defendants were found not guilty. Cole and Bowers hugged each other. They had shown little remorse after their arrest and even throughout the trial. They see Andrew Harper's widow was in tears consoled in the arms of family members as the verdicts were being read to the court. Henry Long had admitted killing PC Harper and entered a guilty plea to the lesser charge of manslaughter. He had been driving the car. The passengers Albert Bowers and Jesse Cole had denied the same charge. However, they were found guilty. A cry could be heard from Cole over the video link when he realised that he had been convicted of manslaughter. Long became distraught looking to his co-defendants for support. Following the verdict, Bowers seemed almost unfazed, patting his friends on the back as a way to cheer them up. After the trial, Senior Investigating Officer Detective Chief Inspector Stuart Blake spoke to the press about the challenges of the investigation and how the Thames Valley Police worked closely with the Crown Prosecution Service to bring the suspects to justice. It's the most complex investigation that I've been involved in, um, you know, in, in 28 years. Um, it's late at night, dark country lanes, um, with, with not an awful lot to go on in the very early stages. Um, the scale of it is, is sometimes difficult for, for us to be able to explain to, to the family and, and the wider public. Um, it, it's, it's been a, you know, a huge investigation that's taken up an incredible amount of resources and, and time over the last seven or eight months. You, you will have seen that, that family and friends uh, of these defendants um, did assist these, you know, these three with, with um, trying to frustrate the police, the police investigation. Um, you know, that, that we, we knew that that was going to be a feature of this investigation and, and that has played out throughout. Um, not one of them has, has, has assisted the police in any way trying to, to understand and, and trying to, um, you know, trying to put to, you know, piece together exactly what had happened that night. They had every opportunity to do that.
Senior Crown Prosecutor Rebecca Waller discussed the evidence the police had gathered against Henry Long, Albert Bowers and Jesse Carl. They denied the offences when they were interviewed on a number of occasions over four days in custody. In fact, putting forward all sorts of suggestions, like Henry Long said he'd never had a phone and he couldn't read or write. So we've had to disprove these and we've also had to prove that they were present. And it's only by virtue of us proving that they were present that they have come to accept it. Andrew Harper's wife, Lissy, also spoke outside the court. She was certain that based on the evidence, the jury should have reached a guilty verdict for murder. Lissy said, I had planned to talk about the beautiful future Andrew and I had before us. I expected my words to be so very different. And in all honesty, I am for the second time in the space of one year, utterly shocked and appalled. No verdict or sentence will ever bring my incredible, selfless and heroic husband back. The results from this trial I had hoped would bring justice, but in reality make no difference to the heart-wrenching pain I will continue to feel for the rest of my life. Soon after the court case concluded, a petition was set up on Change.org. It questioned the verdict, describing it as a miscarriage of justice. It was signed by members of Andrew Harper's family, including his mother, Deborah Adlam. Writing about her son and the young men that killed him, she commented, I am disgusted that he has been let down. When they crossed the junction on the A4, there's no way they did not know he was there being thrown against the pavement. Utterly and bitterly disgusted with the outcome. Andrew went to work to serve us all, and this is how he was repaid. At the time of this recording, the petition has received close to 400,000 signatures. Lissy Harper also posted an open letter on Facebook, which she addressed to the Prime Minister, the Home Secretary, and anyone that could help to write what she described as such a despicable wrong. She wanted a retrial. Andrew Harper's widow thanked the police and prosecution. She questioned how it was possible to come to any conclusion other than a guilty verdict of murder. Her post read in part, I am sure you are acutely aware of the details of the recent trial for the conviction of my late husband PC Andrew Harper's killers. Not only was this the second of two trials as the first one eventually had to be cancelled due to COVID-19, but it was also an utter injustice. Not only were there three remorseless men found not guilty by a possibly influenced jury of 11, but the way in which the trial was conducted, the suspected interference with the jury, and the manner in which the defendants behave was a total disregard for any legal justice system. 
Myself among what appears to be almost the whole country are frankly outraged and determined to have this miscarriage of justice overturned. After the worst possible year any person can face, I am immensely drained and devastated. More to the point, I am not even sure if there is realistically anything that can be achieved by this letter. However, what I will say is that if there is even the slightest chance that this abominable injustice can be rectified, then I will do everything I possibly can to ensure that it is. Lizzie Harper was of the opinion that the jury were influenced, as she believed that friends and family of the defendants who were camped outside the court had some part to play. Andrew Harper's widow wrote that Long, Cole and Bowers should pay for their crimes and described them as immoral, barbaric and shameless. The letter concluded, I implore you to hear my words. See the facts that are laid out before us, and I ask with no expectations other than hope that you might help me to make these changes be considered to ensure that Andrew is given the retrial that he unquestionably deserves, and to see that the justice system in our country is the solid ethical foundation that it rightly should be, not the joke that so many of us now view it to be. With a great deal of the UK press reporting on the outcome of the court case, There were several newspapers which focused on the fact that the men who killed P.C. Harper had links to the travelling community. Articles criticised their way of life and reinforced harmful stereotypes. The Deputy Chief Constable at the College of Policing, Janet McCormick, provided a statement which was published by The Guardian. She addressed what she described as the deep-seated prejudice against travellers and the need for the focus to be placed on the unfavourable treatment the community faces. The absence of job opportunities, limited education and lack of access to healthcare. She claimed any link to crimes were due to their disadvantages, not their ethnicity. The Deputy Chief Constable said, There is no evidence to suggest we have a disproportionately high crime rate around traveller sites. A week after the trial, Mr Justice Edis handed down his sentence. He had heard the victim personal statements from Andrew's family and spoke of the lack of remorse the defendants had shown. In a statement read to the court, Andrew's mother also described how she was unable to see her son after he died due to the extent of his injuries. Deborah Adlam, who had sat through the legal proceedings, wrote, My fit, healthy, happy, brilliant son died purely because these boys chose to steal a quad bike. I personally have not seen, heard or felt a glimmer of any remorse. In fact, we have seen the opposite, with Long Bowers and Cole repeatedly laughing and showing a complete lack of respect during the court proceedings. Missy Harper detailed how this was the third attempt at writing an impact statement, 
as she found herself in a lost and endless world of numb despair. PC Harper's widow wrote, Please do not let the sacrifice that he was forced and unknowingly made to give stand for nothing. He gave everything, a bitter reality that I must face and endure for the rest of my life, every second, every minute, every day. In his sentencing remarks addressing the grief that the fallen officer's family had felt, the judge stated, Nothing which I can do or could have done if there had been a conviction for murder can restore Andrew Harper to his loving wife and family or to the public he serves so well. His devastating loss in these terrible circumstances will follow his family forever and they have the profound sympathy of the court and the whole nation in their loss. The victim personal statements are deeply moving and I have read them with care and listened intently to what was said in this courtroom. First assessing the mitigating factors of the case, Mr Justice Edis acknowledged the guilty pleas of conspiracy to steal from all the defendants. Furthermore, Henry Long, who was driving the getaway vehicle, had admitted to the manslaughter of PC Andrew Harper. The judge also noted the learning difficulties experienced by Albert Bowers and Jesse Cole. Quote, These problems do cause sympathy and also limit their abilities to pursue an honest career. However, Mr Justice Edis was clear that this did not hinder their ability to understand that dangerous driving could cause death. When looking at the aggravating factors, there was a lack of remorse shown by any of the defendants. The judge recalled that Henry Long said, I don't give a fuck about any of this, when he was arrested on suspicion of murder. Long was seen as the ringleader of the group. Neither Albert Bowers nor Jesse Cole accepted their actions as they did not plead guilty to manslaughter. There was also evidence they tried to cover up their involvement in the crimes. The judge, Mr Justice Edis, said the defendant's actions were designed to expose them to a risk of death, actions which subsequently killed PC Andrew Harper. After summing up how the guidelines concerning the sentencing of a manslaughter charge could be applied for a guilty verdict, the judge put his language in simpler terms. He told the defendants, quote, You killed a talented and brave young police officer who was going above and beyond his duty in order to provide a public service and you did so because you had deliberately decided to expose any police officer who got in your way to a risk of death. You decided that your freedom to commit crime was more important than his life. This was not a spur-of-the-moment decision. When confronted by him, you carried out a pre-agreed plan. That is a very wicked calculation. It is not as wicked as deliberately intending to cause really serious injury or death, but it represents a highly culpable state of mind. 
Had Henry Long, the driver of the car, not pleaded guilty, the starting point for his sentencing would have been 24 years. Factoring in his plea and being under 21, he would be entitled to be released after 16 years. He could, however, be considered for release after 10 years and 8 months. He received a concurrent term of 32 months for the offence of conspiracy to steal, and he was also disqualified from driving. Jesse Cole and Albert Bowers, who were 17 at the time of the offence, were both handed a minimum term of 13 years, although they could be considered for release after they had served two-thirds of their sentence. The starting point of the sentence the judge could have imposed was 20 years. However, he took both their age, being under 18, and their mental capabilities into account. The judge explained that as they had learning difficulties and were following the instructions of Henry Long, this reduced their sentence, despite their not guilty pleas. Both defendants received a concurrent term of 38 months for the guilty plea of the offence of conspiracy to steal. Bowers and Cole could be released when they were approaching their late 20s, almost the same age as Andrew Harper when he died. Finally, there was Thomas King, who accompanied the group during the first aborted theft of the quad bike. It was recognised that King had been involved in taping up the licence plate of the Sayat. He set out with the intention of undertaking dangerous driving in order to steal, risking the lives of members of the public even though he was not involved when PC Harper lost his life. Thomas King admitted to the offence in a plea during December 2019. He was sentenced to two years imprisonment, However, the 157 days that he had spent on curfew would count towards his sentence. Following sentencing, the judge issued a further comment as both the media and the press were shocked at the outcome of the trial, not least the family of PC Andrew Harper. While Mr Justice Edis made a point not to read any of the press reports, he wanted to expand on the measures taken to ensure a fair trial. Before the first set of legal proceedings, the judge was made aware that the police had gathered intelligence that suggested a party acting on behalf of the defendants might try to influence the jury. So, to hide their identities... Jurors were referred to by number, not name, as they were sworn in. Identification needed to be presented for anyone sitting in the public gallery. Throughout both trials, the jury were told to report any instances where they felt they were being pressured or intimidated. There were no instances reported. However, towards the end of the second trial, a member of the prison service noticed that a juror acknowledged the defendants, which gave off the appearance that she was likely to behave in a way that was favourable when deciding a verdict. It was reported, she said, bye boys, in a suggestive manner. 
This information was reported to the judge who dealt with the matter in open court and discharged the juror. The final verdicts were ultimately made with only 11 members of the jury. They were told not to speculate why they were a member down. Describing the woman's actions, Mr Justice Edith said, She must have been compelled by some strong motivation to have behaved as she did in this court under the observation of so many. It was both overt and covert at the same time, which is remarkable behaviour. The judge explained that to his knowledge, jurors were in no way pressured to make the decision they did. So where are we now? Andrew Harper's widow Lissy started to campaign to introduce a new law that would mean an automatic life sentence for anyone convicted of killing an emergency worker in the line of duty. This would include a police officer, firefighter, nurse, doctor or paramedic. No ifs, no buts. She would be working with the Police Federation of England and Wales, who would be helping her draft legal documentation. Her father-in-law, Phil Harper, spoke of how proud he was of Lizzie and the courage she had shown for petitioning a change to the law. He also mentioned the difficulty faced by his other children during the intense media coverage. Phil Harper said, I am also so proud of Sean and Amy, Andrew's brother and sister, for being so dignified throughout the last year as it has been so incredibly tough for them too. Andrew's mother, who also wished to see a mandatory minimum term for the killers of police officers, voiced her frustrations with the verdict and how the justice system deals with young offenders. She told a reporter for the Press Association that, quote, You can get a mortgage. You can serve in the army. And the thing that really bugs me is you can be on a jury. Yet you are not treated as an adult until you're 21 in the judicial system. That can't be right. On August 4th, four days after the sentencing hearing, the Office of the Attorney General confirmed they had received an application from a member of the public to review the sentences handed to the three young men who ended P.C. Harper's life. Following a review under the unduly lenient sentence scheme, the decision was referred to the Court of Appeal on August 21st. What further complicates matters was the fact that only days earlier both Jesse Cole and Albert Bowers sought leave to appeal their manslaughter convictions and their subsequent sentences. Likewise, Henry Long would also appeal the length of his sentence at the end of August. And what's more, Jed Foster is launching legal action against the Thames Valley Police as he claims they were biased against what Foster described as his family's traveller heritage. In an interview with the BBC, Foster said, It was terrifying being accused of a murder I had not done. I knew I was innocent, 
but I was worried that I would be wrongly convicted, and that for the murder of a police officer, I could die in prison. As of the time of this recording, the order in which the legal proceedings are to take place has yet to be decided. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our new Patreon producer, Manuela Dezinger, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.